So God, we love you and we thank you. And as much as all of us would love to be able to say, Lord, that the first conversation is the one that happens at our table, we all know better. Life is chaos. Life is busy. And God, we pray right now that as we focus on your words, that you would convict our hearts because we need them to be convicted. Um, help, Help us to know that even as I preach, I'm not preaching from a place of trying to condemn anybody, but... I'm seeing these things in my life, Lord, and and I see them in the lives of our church folks. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through the lives of Jesus, through Mary and through Martha right now. And uh, help us, God, to take an honest look at the things that we're putting as important in our life. Um, We just thank you, Lord Jesus. Speak now in your name. Amen. So it's the reality of life, right? Chaos is kind of there. No matter what we try to do, it always just seems like somehow or another, we find ourselves pulled in yet again to another McDonald's saying, I want this, this, and this, and this. You're screaming at your kids because they're being loud. Or you're like me and my family who praised God on our knees when sheets opened because it gave us a place to grab something to eat between here and there. Because we get so busy, we get so occupied with, with just everything that's going on in our lives that we're just busy, right? Um, you know, I, I, I coach a hockey team. And yesterday we had a game, and, and one of my kids showed up at the game. Um, and he said, hey, coach, I'm here. I said, all right, buddy, but the problem is, is you're dressed for soccer. <laughs> he said, well, well, coach, see, I've got a soccer game halfway through this game, and so what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch you guys so I, so I can feel like I'm part of the team, and then I'm going to go play in my soccer game. And now that baffled me. It it baffled me almost more than anything in my life has baffled me because we now live in a culture where it's okay to substitute like feeling like you're a part of the team for actually giving in and being part of the team and making sacrifices. And, And I'll be honest with you, being part of the team means that sometimes you have to say no to other things. And so I I was floored. I was floored that this little guy's telling me this because this is like a young kids hockey league. I'm brokenhearted because the parents are are overbooking this kid to the point where he's got like a a Zig Ziglar planner with his day. He's seven. And then this week, you know, my daughter Becca turned five. She's just the sweetest thing. I, I, you know, I swear she was just born yesterday and she's five already. That's a side point. So I wake up on Monday and I say, okay, Becca, what do you want to do? It's your birthday. We'll do anything you want to do. She says, I want to go bear hunting with Merida. (laughs) If you don't know who Merida is, Merida's the Disney princess from the movie Brave. Well, honey, we can't really do that. (laughs) What else do you want to do? And of course she says what everybody in Pittsburgh is saying right now, let's go see the dock. The dock! What is the dock? Can someone please tell me what is this duck? It's a $20,000 piece of plastic floating in the river that made over $10 million for this city. There's more plastic than that in the river all the week long. I don't get the duck. Sorry, I needed to do that. That was therapeutic for my soul. What is the duck? So we get in the car, we grab my, my call my brother, and we take his kids down because his son shares a birthday with my daughter. And so we all went to the duck. We get there, and the first thing I noticed is that there was living ducks around the duck. Just thought it was kind of awesome. We get there. There's a duck. Now what? What do we do? 
So we drove all the way to Pittsburgh, so we went and we sat on those big steps and admired the duck and took pictures of the duck, took pictures of my son opening his mouth, pretending to eat the duck, and what do you do with the duck? So we're sitting there at the duck, and if you've ever been down to the duck, as most of you had because you're good Christians, there's these like steps, seat things, and as, as we're sitting there, this mother comes running in with like 47 million kids, really there was about five. And she's holding their hands and she's dragging them down the steps. Now, they don't care who they hit, who they're running over. There's just this mother and she's pulling her kids. Come on, let's get onto the dock. That's how happy she is. And, and she's, she's saying, okay, get over there. We've got to hurry up. We gotta get, Timmy's got to go to soccer practice. We've got to go pick your father up at work. We've got to get to the airport and pick up Mima and Peepaw. <laughs> you have some interesting names for Grandma and Pop-Pop, folks. That's all I'm going to say. We gotta get to the airport, pick up Maymon people. Stand over there and look like you're enjoying this. We're making family memories here. That's what she said. We're making family memories here. We gotta hurry. And what floored me was is we live in this culture and this society that we would rather get the t-shirt or get the picture, totally forsake the actual family moment, but we have a picture where we're all smiling and we can say, look how happy we are at the duck. What is the duck? I still don't get the duck. But I also don't get how we as a culture have become so busy that pretending to be a part of the team is now okay. Instead of sacrificing to actually be a part of a team. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. I don't understand how we can run around and be so busy about our schedules and stuff that we're not living in the moments that we're in. God has given you precious moments with your families. Don't rush them. Whether you're Mima, Peepaw, aunt, uncle, a brother, a sister, you have a responsibility and a role in a family. If you were born in this room this today, if you were born, you have a role in a family. This sermon applies to you. And you were all born, so it applies to you. So don't check out. Because we live in a culture in America today that wants to make us busier, busier, and busier. We think all this smart technology with our phones and stuff of constantly being able to be reached by our places of employment. We think these things are helping us be more productive. But I'll tell you what, they're actually killing our souls. Because you are not designed to constantly be at labor. You are not designed to be running around from thing to thing to thing to thing. You are designed by God as people of community who are to be in the moment that God has put you in. I don't understand the duck, but I know that I'm not going to drive all the way to Pittsburgh to snap a picture with a duck. I'm going to watch the duck for a while. It didn't move. (laughs) But you see what I'm saying? As, as, as a Christian people and as a people, especially as Americans, we have gotten our priorities so out of whack. If I asked you in this room right now, what are your priorities supposed to be as a family? You would say to me, God, family, and then we'll say for the sake of a, a big word, our responsibilities. Responsibilities can be like hobbies and band and school and work. Not a single one of us in here would debate that. But the challenge I would have for each and every one of you Does your life reflect that? Because the reality of it is, is when we look at those priorities, oftentimes, and this is me included in this, guys, this was a hard one. Is it responsibilities, family, then God? 
And all too often I get so busy doing good things and and putting my hands to the plow that I forget my family and I forget my relationship with God. Listen to what I'm saying to you right now. God has called each and every one of us to put our hands to the plow, to work at everything we do as if we're working for the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? It means if you are playing high school football and somebody lines up across the line, you are to smack that guy as hard as you can to glorify God. You are to give everything. If you are an accountant, you better be like a wizard with that calculator for the glory of God. You are called to do everything that you do for the glory of God, but you're not called to forsake your family or your relationship with God for that thing. All too often, we've gotten in our minds that that by being busy, by by acting busy or getting busy, by filling our schedules, that, that that makes us more significant. No, it's not true. Don't believe the lie. Satan's biggest tool in our lives is pride. And the second one is going to be making us busy. There's a great book written by an author by the name of C.S. Lewis. You've probably heard of this guy. He wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. And when he was writing this book, he was writing it from the perspective of demons and how to defeat Christians. The one demon's name is Wormwood. The other one's name is Screwtape, his uncle. And Wormwood, in frustration, writes to his uncle and says, I can't seem to get my Christian to sin. He's really doing this stuff that the Bible says. I'm summarizing, of course. And he basically makes a long story short. He says, how do I defeat this Christian that I've been given the responsibility of taking out? And this is what his uncle says to him. He says, well, if you can't defeat him, make him busy, because that's the same thing. And the reality of it is, folks, is our schedules, our lives, our chaos, because our priorities are are out of order. We're really good at our place of employment. And we're called to be really good at our place of employment. But when it becomes an idol, when it becomes more significant to us than our families, when it becomes more significant to us than our relationship with God, we've got a severe issue. You wonder why you're struggling. You wonder why you feel like you just don't have the energy. You wonder why you feel like there's just all this chaos and how am I going to do this? It's because you're not functioning the way God designed you to function. You are not born to work 75 hours in a week. Did you know that? You weren't made just for that. So the question I have for you is whether it's your hobbies, whether it's your academics, whether it's your, your work? Do we look at scoring goals as, as significant as sharing Christ with people? When I, when I look back at the story of the way that I'm raising my children, will they understand that talking to someone about Christ or stooping down to help someone who is poor or in need is more important to their father than them making straight A's? Because there's not a single one of us in this room that would debate that, would we? But somewhere along the line, I'm sending a message to my kid that getting a hat trick is more important than feeding the homeless. I'm confessing that to you. It's because I've got my priorities out of whack, and I never intended for it to get this way. It was never my intention to teach these things to my kids. But I'm going to tell you, folks, people are always learning from us. You're always teaching your brothers, your sisters, your children, your grandparents, whoever. And the way that you're engaging yourself in school, the way that you're putting pressure on your kids to perform, whether in academics or athletics or whatever, what are we teaching them? 
What are we teaching them about priorities? We've got this American dream, don't we? That we want our kids to to get the best grades. We want them to, to, to be the best at sports so they can get the best scholarship, so they can go to the best college, so that they can marry the best girl and get the best job, so that they can have children and they can teach their children to go to school and to get the best grades, so that they can get the best whatever and go to the best sports, so they can get the best. And that cycle just repeats and repeats and repeats. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're buying into that, you're buying into a form of slavery that's ridiculous. Because there are bigger things out there in this world than that American dream. That's not a political statement. It's a statement about our culture. What would you say to your child if they came to you after their senior year of graduating and they said to you, I would rather go build a boat with my uncle and talk about ministry and share Christ with people for a year. Is that cool, mom and dad? Would you in that moment as a parent or as a grandparent, would you rejoice or would you mourn? What if your kid came up to you and said they want to be a missionary? Would you rejoice or would you mourn? And I'm going to tell you right now, after a long time in youth ministry, it blows me away how much mourning happens in very godly homes over decisions like that. What are we teaching our families? Where are our priorities? There's not a single one of you in here Who would tell me that anything is before God, right? But yet we're living that way. We're doing it. Jesus was going to a town called Bethany. This is found in the book of Luke. Chris, you can go ahead and bring this up. In the Bible, we see this great story. Excuse me, it's Luke 10. Jesus was going to a place called Bethany, a town where he was visiting with some people. He was teaching the message. He was sharing the gospel. He was teaching about himself. And he encounters... Two women who decided they wanted to throw a banquet for Jesus. Mary and Martha, they're sisters. Martha's, you know, she's the queen of hospitality. She's all worried about making sure that everything's dusted. You know, like when your in-laws come over, you put on the fake house. She's doing that. She's getting things ready. She's getting the turkey prepared. And Mary's right there helping her out. But the thing that's different is, see, when Jesus gets there, Jesus begins to teach all the company. He's teaching the guests. He's telling stories. And Mary sits down at Jesus' feet. And this is what happens. It says in Luke 10, 38 through 42, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village, Bethany, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Next one. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. So what's going on is Jesus begins to teach. Martha's stuffing the turkey. And Mary decides, you know what? I've got Jesus Christ in my house. I'm going to sit down and listen to what he has to say. We would all think that's a safe bet, right? But listen to what happens. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to him and she said, Jesus, don't you care that my sister's left me here to do all this work by myself? Can you tell her to help me? And of course... What's going to happen next is Jesus is going to go up to Mary and say, Mary, that turkey turkey needs stuffed. There's some sweeping that still needs to be done. You've got to make this place look good. You've got tons of people coming over. What are you thinking, Mary? Isn't that what Jesus does? No. Martha is floored by his response. This is what Jesus says to him, her. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Was what Martha was doing wrong? The answer is no. But her priorities were wrong. 
Because she was in the presence of God and so concerned about her job that she missed Jesus. She missed spending time with her sister in the presence of God. Do you think Mary was an example for Martha on that day? When Jesus reprimands her in a moment where she thinks Jesus is going to get her back ultimately? I promise you this, that she looked at Mary in a different way after that. Are you Martha? Are you so busy at making sure that all your responsibilities are taken care of? That you're going, you're working 94 hours a week and and you rarely see your family and you rarely see your your kids or you rarely see your parents and but, but it's okay because you're making straight A's. Oh, and by the way, you barely make it to church because you're so busy. You're not spiritually being fed or you don't even bother. You can't read your Bible, not because that's what you want to do, but because you're just so busy that you can't really find time for God. You ever felt like that? I'll tell you what, we got our priorities way out of whack because we've got to get our responsibilities in check. You know, there's two things that are mentioned in Ten Commandments that I'm going to talk about. And there's not a whole lot in that special section of Scripture that talks about working hard. When people are dying, you hear me say it all the time, they're not asking for ten more minutes at work. They're asking for more time with their families. How's your time with your family? Are you living with your family? Are you there? Are you present? Or are you constantly thinking about the next thing? Are you at the dock? Or are you picking Mima and Papa up in your head? And I'm guilty of this one all the time. I think just simply by being with my kids, I'm there, but I'm not. In my mind, I'm thinking about my sermon, or in my mind, I'm thinking about what I got to do on Tuesday, and I'm not there with my kids. Even though Brandon is tackling me and wrestling me to the floor, I'm not there. And that's wrong. Mary was there with Jesus. She was there with Martha. There's a book by the name of Hurt written by a guy named Chap Clark, and he talks about how in America today we have all these issues with with single homes and how kids are growing up without dads and kids are growing up without moms. And and he says that's that's hurtful to society, but one of the, the grossest trends that's happening in society today is something far more damaging, and it's kids being raised in a home with their birth mother and birth father who are completely abandoned by their parents to their job. It's called abandonment. And these kids are turning out in disastrous ways. they feel like nobody cares. But I'm providing for my kid. They're, they're involved in everything. They're involved in Boy Scouts. They're involved in soccer. They're involved in Awana. They're, we're, in fact, we're so busy, my kid shows up in his soccer uniform for his hockey game. We got a problem. Soccer or hockey, one or the other, that's not the issue. But the issue is, is you're too overcommitted. Your, your schedule does not allow room for you to actually like be happy that your kids scored a goal or scored a goal. You see what I'm saying, church? Can I see your head shake a little bit? You understand what I'm talking about? Are you with your family? Are you health, in a healthy way? Are you, is your work prioritized? Thirdly, how's your relationship with God? You want to know why there's chaos 
in your life, you want to know why you feel out of control and, and sometimes it, it feels like everything is just a mess, it's because your priorities are out of whack. We, we talk about our relationships at work, we talk about the things that we do, and then we get to our family, and then when there's anything left over, we get to God. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a, there's a, there's a problem with that. Let me share with you an illustration. There's a professor that will use this illustration, and other pastors have used it. He brings up this box to this podium, and he sets the box down. I'm sure some of you have seen this in physics or whatever, in all of your different classes. And what he does is he takes large rocks, and he puts them in the box. And he says to his class, is the box filled? And not knowing where he's going, they'll say, sure, it's filled. And then he brings up smaller rocks, and he puts those smaller rocks in the box. You've probably all seen this. He says to his class, is it filled now? And they go, oh, yeah, it's filled now. And then he brings up sand, and he fills it up even more. Is the box filled now? And some kid says, no, the box isn't filled. There's something else you can put in. He says, what? And he pours water in. He says, you're right. And the professor begins to teach them about prioritizing things in their lives and their families and how the families are the big rocks and and how your work is all this other stuff and your hobbies are all this stuff. And then he grabs a humongous brick and he sets it next to the thing and he says, now how are you going to fit this in there? You've got your spiritual box so filled with other things. How do you expect to put this foundational brick of God into your life? And he sets this brick on top and there's no room. When we're over busy with our jobs, we are not loving our families the way that we should be. Hear my heart and how I'm saying it. And I'm not saying that playing sports is bad. I'm not saying getting good grades is bad. And I'm not saying, you know, working hard and and a lot of hours is bad. But when you have it out of perspective, it's going to kill you. When when your family life's not right, it's all going to come back to this one area that your perspective on God isn't right. There's no room for God. I hear so many people say to me at the end of the day, I love Jesus. I'm so busy volunteering at this organization and this organization and this organization. I just don't have time to sit down and read the scriptures. I'm going to tell you what, church. God wants us to say no to very good things for the sake of a relationship with him. That thing may be volunteering in youth ministry. It may be helping out at Urban Impact. It it may be an engagement with friends. God wants you to say no to stuff. Because his relationship with you needs to go in that spiritual box first. And everything else will pour in on top of it. But God needs to be the first thing in the box and never be taken out. Are you following me? We really get that one wrong. When we look at the life of Christ, we see a great example of this. Did you know Jesus loved two things? He loved to go to people. He loved to heal people and raise people from the dead. He loved to feed people. And he also loved to run away from people. Did you know that? If you don't believe me, look all through the the passages of Scripture that talk about Jesus. Jesus often would wake up and he would run and he would go to quiet places. Before he went to the cross, what did he do? He went to a garden by himself. After feeding 5,000 people, he got in a boat and he hung out in the water. Because Jesus knew that even though he was the Son of God, he still needed to make time for his relationship with God. You follow what I'm saying? Let me read to you this scripture passage real quick. That's not the one. (laughs) Here we go. 
Jesus prays in a solitary place. This is found in Mark 1, verse 35. It says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and they said, Where are you? Everybody's looking for you. Jesus replied, Eh, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. See, church was waiting on Jesus. The service was waiting to start, and Jesus went off by himself to pray. And then he didn't even go to church. He went and did something else. There's another passage I want to read to you. It says this in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Jesus had just healed somebody. That's just what Jesus did. He healed people. It says this, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed. Did you hear that? They came to hear him. The people gathered from all around. They came to hear him, and they came to be healed of their sicknesses. And listen to Jesus' miraculous response to these people that came to be healed and to these people that came to hear him speak. Jesus withdrew to a lonely place and he prayed. Let me tell you something. Unless you've received a spiritual promotion that probably will never happen and you're above the Son of God, you need to have quiet time alone with God. Jesus Christ himself walked away. Listen to how I'm saying this. He walked away from people that needed to be healed and people that needed a word from him because he needed to be with God because he knew if he wasn't in relationship with the Father, he was going to be useless to everybody else. Is that making sense? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen to me, church. If you try to fit everything into your life, if you try to get all your priorities figured out and you're trying to fit in God last, you're going to be useless to all of them. Because the Son of God, the Christ, Jesus, fully God, fully man, he was God and needed to make quiet time to be alone with God. He said no to good things. Other people can do the things that sometimes you get stuck saying yes to. Do you know that? Did you know that the disciples raised people from the dead and healed people? Did you know that? Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that his relationship with God was first. Then his relationship with his family. And then the stuff that he got to do, his job, his work, that came a distant third. How's your relationship with God this morning? And I don't mean your relationship with your theology. I don't mean your relationship with your your education of the word. I I mean your relationship with God. When was the last time you sat alone for 20 minutes in a room and asked God to speak to you, then you shut up? You ever been in a relationship where one person talks all the time? I think a lot of us have that relationship with God. Oh, Lord, why aren't you speaking? Because we don't shut up to listen. Because we're too busy. Because we got to get to the Mimaw and Peepaw and this and that and this and soccer and hockey and yeah. Listen, church. Jesus is telling us to slow down and to breathe. 
He's telling us that the family that prays together, the family that makes time for God, is the family that stays together. And he's telling us that if we can get that priority right, the family's mentioned in the Ten Commandments. Our relationship with God is mentioned in the Ten Commandments. Have no other God before me. He takes this stuff serious. He wants us to work at everything that we do for his glory. But I'm going to tell you what. God doesn't care if, you, if you're... How, like, he's, he's not a big fan of whether you win or lose. He just wants you to glorify him by your actions. Do you hear what I'm saying with that? That can be in band. That can be in work. It can be in everything. God wants you to work diligently at all that you do, but not at the expense of your relationship with him and not at the expense of your family. Maybe you're doing too much this morning. Maybe there's some things in your life that are awesome things. You just need to say no to them for the sake of your kids or for the sake of spending time with your parents or spending time with your brothers, your sisters, maybe your friends. Where are your priorities? Do your priorities consist of the stuff that you do, the responsibilities, then your family, then God? Or do your responsibilities consist of God first, then family, than the rest. Because until you get that right, you're going to be in chaos. I wish I had a 10-step recipe to tell you how to raise healthy kids who don't hate you. I wish I had a, a recipe to tell you how to make a happy marriage. I don't have that. But what I do have is to tell you this. Get your nose in the Word of God. Spend time with the Father. And He will work that stuff out for you. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Family that prays together stays together, Lord. And Jesus Christ himself walked away from good things in order to spend time in relationship with you. God, help us to live in the moment that we're in. I can think that that there's probably some of us here right now who are actually so preoccupied with the stuff that we brought with us, the junk, the baggage, that we struggle even to be in church. God, I pray that you would work in our lives and convict us right now to set healthy boundaries, to say no to things, to say no to good things. I love when I have parents who tell me their kids can't come to youth group because they're at home and that's their family night. God, that's a win. That's what we want. We want families to be growing in you. And then if they get to do awesome things because of it, great. God, we want more time with you. Our intentions were never to be this busy. Help us to love our families by getting our priorities straight and becoming less cluttered and less busy. Help us to say no to the things that we need to say no to and help us to say yes to the things we need to say yes to. Help us to lead. Help us to live like Jesus and to get alone with you and just spend some time.